Luke chapter 14. I've been telling you I was going to preach this message for weeks now because I heard this sermon by the great Spurgeon who preached to 6,000 every Sunday, I think from the early age of 25, when no one was having 6,000 on Sunday there in England. And he preached this sermon, and I heard it being read over a tape. And I ought to get that copied, by the way, and get it out to you. So you'll hear it after my preaching of the same thing. I want to preach to you on compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. What a tremendous sermon by Spurgeon. I'm sure I will not do anywhere near the the justice that that great man of God did, but I know one thing, the Holy Spirit works through the perfect book, amen? There's no perfect preachers around anyhow, except the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's in heaven, amen. He was the only perfect preacher. When they called, it always called Spurgeon the prince of preachers, or they'd say Paul was the greatest missionary. No, my Lord Jesus was the prince of preachers. He was the prince of preachers, the king of preachers, and everything else. Never a man spake like this man, they said. For he speaks with authority, and not as the wimpy scribes. I added the word wimpy in there. Amen. No, authority. And Paul was a great missionary, but my Lord Jesus was the greatest missionary. In fact, he's the greatest of the great in everything. Others were used to deliver. I think about Samson, how God used him to deliver the children of Israel, partially. And yet, the greatest deliverer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Others were used to save people, but the greatest Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so I pray that you'd see Jesus this morning. Not necessarily the preacher. You remember they came and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. And then what did Philip do with the Ethiopian eunuch? He, he opened the scriptures at Isaiah and he preached unto him, Jesus! I'm not interested in Mohammed. He couldn't save anyone. Jesus is the Savior of all mankind. And he's the one I'm preaching to you today. Confucius couldn't do it. Buddha couldn't do it. But my Jesus did it. And it's done. He was buried, rose again the third day he ever lives to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. All that come unto God by him. By the way, that's the only way you'll come to. You won't get to God but through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's the only name. He's the bread. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between. Hallelujah. He's everything. He's the good shepherd, the great shepherd. Praise God, he's my shepherd. He's the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. He's that altogether lovely one. As I went into my garden and took the snippers, and I thank God for the snippers. 
We have everything today, don't we? Then I thank the Lord that he put such a beautiful rose right at my back door. All I had to do was go out and open the glass there after I'd opened the curtain. And I went and just clipped that little rose off. And I was so thankful. The whole top of the rose didn't have any, any uh, one of those thorns on it. I said, I, I thank you, Lord, for this rose that you made. I could never do that. Cut the rose and brought it in. And then I thanked the Lord for the vase I could put it in. And then I thanked the Lord for the water that I could go under my spigot. Running water, you used to have to run for water. Now it runs to your house. Comes right out of your spout. And thank the Lord for the water. That was what I was going to preach this morning. In, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We better learn to be thankful. Better thank the Lord for the shirt on your back, son. Thank the Lord for this, this carpeted church building. Air conditioning, especially in hot Texas, amen? amen. Central Texas. Automobiles. You know what my grandmother said? She said, my, my, my husband's Buick, John's Buick. And she said, carpet right in the, in the car. Now we just take it for granted. Carpet right in the automobile. My grandmother said, we were the first ones on Manhattan in the whole area that had a toilet right in the house. Would you believe? Oh, we have everything. And the more we get, the more unthankful we become. May God help us. And then may God help us to compel these people, compel you to come in, and compel you to come to Christ. Luke chapter 14, you found your place, verse 16 through 24. Stand with me as I read these verses, please, in honor to the word of God. As they did in the days of Ezra, they stood. He was on a pulpit of wood, the Bible says, that they had made especially for it. And a good part of the day, they read the, the scriptures, and I believe they gave the sense at that time. That's all we do around here anyhow. We just read the Bible and then give the sense of it. Amen? We just read the Bible and holler a little while. <laughs> Try to explain it to you. Amen? Let's read then. You follow along with me, please. Luke 14, verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse, the first said unto him. I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said unto his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto his, the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them 
to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Read verse 23 with me in unison and 24, please, pausing wherever there's any punctuation so we can stay together. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Our Father, we thank Thee for Thy wonderful, wonderful Word, the words of the Lord Jesus, which we just read. These words, these very words, came from the lips of our Master, our Christ, who died for us, was buried and rose again and is alive forevermore, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. O Lord Jesus, we thank Thee for this glorious message. Now may we preach it in such a fashion as would be pleasing to Thee. As my heart was stirred as I heard this message by the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, I pray, dear Lord, that Thy Holy Spirit would work as I preach it. May some precious souls see their need of Christ and be saved this morning, as most likely there were many that were saved when Spurgeon first preached it. Dear God, bless the Word to our hearts. We pray that we that are saved, that we would have a burden to go out quickly and compel them to come in. We'll give Thee all the praise, honor, and glory for our prayer is made in and through and by the name of the Lord Jesus and the person and work that He's done at Calvary. In His name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Thank the Lord we have a pretty full house this morning. To God be the glory. I would invite you to come in, first of all, as the Lord invites you, as God invites you, as Christ invites you. I would invite you to come into Christ. You are invited by the Lord. You're invited by me. We love you. We care about you. The Lord Jesus Christ loved you enough. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It says in the Scriptures, For Christ came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. We were condemned already, Jesus says in John chapter 3. We didn't have to become condemned. We were condemned already. So all we needed is to be saved from the condemnation that was upon us. In fact, in Sunday school, I believe it was mentioned, the wrath of God abides on the lost person. Not on me anymore. The wrath of God's gone. I still, I'm still coming to judgment one day, but no more hell for me. No, sir. Jesus took my hell at Calvary. He bore my sins in His body on the tree. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell anymore. No, my sins are gone. He took the wrath off. Thank the Lord. All are invited. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, we have Scripture here, 2 Peter 2, 1, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. The Lord Jesus it says, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. 
the Lord Jesus even died for false prophets and false teachers. Christ died for all. For God so loved the world. He's not talking about dirt. He's talking about people. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. He's talking about people there. For God so loved the world. The Bible says in Hebrews, he tasted death for every man. Not every elect man, every man he tasted death for. And in 2 Peter here, it tells us he, he even bought us. He bought us from the slave market of sin. He purchased us with his own precious blood. But it only becomes efficient, his death and his sacrifice on those who repent and believe and trust him as Savior and call upon his name. By the way, how are you saved? You're saved by grace through faith or you're not saved. You say, well, I, I'm saved by my baptism. You'll be the first one that ever was. Amen. And you won't be saved by your baptism. Baptism doesn't save people. Water doesn't wash sin away. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. You say, well, I joined a church one day. Well, if it was the wrong church, then you joined the wrong church, didn't you? You say, well, I joined the right kind of church. Well, you just joined the other church. That's not joining Christ. That comes when you get born again. You must be born again. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Why are you trying to earn it or pay for it? You cannot earn it. You can't pay for it. It's to no avail all your good works. We're not saved by works of righteousness. We're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the free gift, it says in Romans. The free gift. Just receive him. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. Please come into my life and save me and change me. And he'll hear your prayer if you're sincere and you understand. You must understand his work of the cross. You must understand that he died for you. He paid your sin debt. You must understand that you deserve to go to hell. And then come to him as a lost sinner and say, please save me, Lord Jesus. Please change me. I can't save myself. My baptism can't save me. My communion can't save me. My confirmation can't save me. The confession box can't save me. Good works can't save me. I can't do a thing. So please, Lord, would you just save me? And that's what he wants. He wants you to hear that you can't do it, but he can. So whosoever will may come. Amen. But we need to compel them to come in. I plead with you to come in. We even hear about believers. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But I, I would want to invite and compel you and plead with you to come in to Christ and know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. I beg you to come in. As Lazarus was the beggar in two chapters over, he was a beggar and the Lord heard his prayer. I beg you to beg God for salvation. If it would do any good, I'd get on my knees and beg you to be saved. That won't do it though, but I would. If that would get you saved, you sure don't want to be in hell forever, do you? Paying for your sins. I plead with you to receive Christ as your Savior. I implore you to come in. 
In fact, I command you to come in. We're to command people to repent. The Lord Jesus commanded them. And so I command you to repent. May we go out with more authority than we seem to exercise. We ought to go right up to a person and say, I command you to repent of your sin. (laughs) He better obey it too. I said he better obey it because we're just giving the commission from the great commander-in-chief. Was it not? Joshua said, who is this? And he said, it's the uh, the captain of your salvation. Well, the captain says, repent! (laughs) So you know what you better do? Repent! (laughs) You say, when? Right away! (laughs) Amen? And then believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. But you know, I plead with you because he says, what? He says, whosoever will may come. Christ died for our sins. He died for all of us. He he invites us to come. He pleads with us to come. He begs us to come. He commands us to come. By the way, God can make any demand on you. He wants to. He made you. We better listen to this great author of life. What did Job say? The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives us life. And we better yield to Him. Better yield our life to Him. By the way, we were all peculiarly and wonderfully fashioned in our mother's womb. The Bible tells me so over and over and over and over again. He didn't just start with Adam and Eve and we're all going on like we're going to go on. No, no. Not Jeremiah. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee and sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet to the nations. God forms us. There's other verses where God fashions us, forms us in the womb. We better leave those babies alone in the womb, too. Better leave them alone. Aren't you glad you weren't aborted? Hello? Those doctors that are starting an abortion clinic here over on W.S. Young. Shame on their wicked soul. That, man, that doctor is an idiot. If you meet him, tell him for me. He's an idiot. He could have been aborted, the stupid fool. That's stupid. What if, what if the doctor was aborted? We need to get back to the book and the author of the book and the author of life itself. He can demand anything he wants of us. <laughs> and we just say, I am thy servant. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. <laughs> Lord, what did Paul say on the Damascus Lord? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? We have no business telling God what to do. We need to ask him what he wants to do in and through and by us. We are peculiarly and wonderfully made, the Bible says. Now, the question is, uh, and God can rebuke us of the sin of delay. Did you notice what it said here? The, the, The Lord got angry and he said, go quickly. Go quickly. We need to go quickly as believers and go out and reach these people and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Compel them to come to Christ. And then when should we, when should we tell them they should be saved? Now is the accepted time. Now. He says, harden not your hearts as in the day of the provocation. 
Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. If you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Recently, I was able to see a little video of uh, Fanny Crosby. And if you saw that, you'll remember that she was very well known as a singer. She was doing all the poetry and, and writing these songs. And she still didn't know Christ. But I'm told that in her early life, they gave her all kinds of scriptures. She, she was uh, blind, totally blind. And so she just did all this beautiful poetry. And even presidents thought her poetry was just marvelous. Presidents of the United States. She lived to be 90-something, I believe. But early, before she got saved, before she wrote any hymns at all, any hymns, she was writing this beautiful poetry. Now, I don't know if she wrote any of the music to her hymns at all. But she wrote the poetry, the words. And here she was in a blind school. And she was trying to help other blind children. She was grown up. And she had gotten training herself. And here she was teaching these girls in the blind school. And so while she's doing this, one of the workers there, this is before the cholera hit, and they invited her to a, a revival meeting. And she didn't understand, though. She went. Very emotional, probably a Methodist meeting of those days. A shouting Methodist, they used to call them. And Fanny Crosby, she didn't get saved. Some were praying, say, get, let go. And the other one said, pray through, sister, pray through. She said, she said how do you pray through? Or what? She, said, she was so thoroughly confused. You know, like some people do it when they're at the altar, let go and hang on and everything else, you know, and you don't know what in the world to, to do. And she was all confused. And then the cholera hit, and she became even a helper there in the, in the hospitals. There's all these different ones, and some of those... Even from the, the one who invited her to the meeting, she died. She died. But she'd gotten saved. She said, oh, I, you need to come to the meeting. And she got saved. Then she died of the cholera. And then a little girl died that she was very fond of. And then after this, she went to another meeting, another church meeting, another preaching meeting, and got saved. She said, oh, I can't. They started saying, well, you ought to write hymns. And she said, oh, they're singing all my songs in the bars, in the clubs. She said, how in the world can I make music? And finally, she had Dawn and all these other ones, Stebbins, different ones. I don't know which ones it was. Many different men. And they wrote the beautiful music to her beautiful words. And now we sing, Rescue the Perishing. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Did we sing that this morning? Oh, we did. That's Fanny Crosby's song. She made that up. Blind girl. Jesus is mine. Oh, beautiful songs. But the thing is, what if she'd have died of the cholera? She was all around all those other people, but it passed her by. Because she didn't get saved until after the cholera problem. But she, the Lord spared her life. Not others, but her life so she could make these beautiful hymns. So when is the time to get saved? It's as soon as you can get saved. Get saved now. Don't wait till later. 
By the way, I have another, another illustration, and it's very current. It just happened this last week. My wife has a cousin who was blind and plays the piano beautifully, sings. We heard him just two years ago out at a camp meeting, not, oh, ten, not 10 miles from here. And my wife hadn't seen him for a long time. I remember when we were first married and we went to the house and there was a, a blind girl and a blind a boy, and, and he was the blind boy, and he played the piano then. You know, their, their other senses are really activated when they can't see, and they're really listening close, closely. And so we just heard him two years ago. They were planning a family reunion which took place yesterday. Yesterday. In Moorhead City, North Carolina. He was from Raleigh, North Carolina. He was the same age as my wife. Just about the same age as my wife. And he was going to play and sing yesterday. But he died a few days before that. He just didn't wake up. He was saved. He knew the Lord. He played beautiful, beautiful hymns, and they had recordings of them and everything, and I think he, my wife got one. She purchased one of her cousin. Hadn't seen him for years and years. And they were going to get all the family, the Whaley's, together, and he was going to do the singing and the playing. And he was already singing and playing up in heaven. Because <laughs> we don't know when we're going, do we? Our plans don't, don't always match up with God's plans. So you say, I'm going to get saved about oh, three, three or four or five years from now. You, you don't know if you'll be here three or four or five days from now. No less three or four or five years from now. So today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Get saved now. And then you'll be singing up there with Brother Whaley. And my wife only heard about it from the Tabernacle Baptist in Greenville when Dr. Aiken got up and said, pray for so-and-so Whaley, not even realizing that my wife was a cousin to him. And so my wife called and said, yes, he passed away. And she wasn't able to go down. It was just too far of a drive. I encouraged her to go, but I said, where's rent a car and go on down there? But she said, just too far to go down there. We don't know, do we? Life is short. Fanny Crosby, I'm glad that the Lord spared her long enough to be a blessing. Well, my last point, I'm to my last point now. I'm going to threaten you. I'm going to threaten you. You better get saved or you'll burn in hell for all eternity. All that will be around you will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. In fact, I think you're going to be quite blind in that place of darkness that Fanny Crosby had, a place of darkness, and that uh, Brother Whaley had, for he was blind all his life. And you'll be in a place. I mean, just close your eyes just for a second. How would you like to be like that your whole life? Well, how would you like to be like that in total blackness of darkness? Like they took us down in the inner, inner uh, caverns down here, inner space caverns, and they turned all the lights out down in that place down below that. How many have ever been there? They turn the lights out. It's an eerie feeling. You're kind of glad when they turn them back on. I mean such blackness, they said also, just wave your hand in front of your, in front of your face and you saw nothing. You, you saw nothing. And hell is the blackness of darkness forever. It's called the mist of darkness. 
If you, you'll, you'll be hearing some things. You'll hear weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. People are gnashing their teeth and screaming and hollering and weeping. You'll smell some things down there. Yes, it'll be like the sulfur in the laboratory for what? It's fire and brimstone. It's called a lake of fire. It's called the bottomless pit. And that's where you'll be. If you don't receive Jesus Christ and obey my command to be saved today, and you don't repent before you die and put your faith in none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be there forever. And all the screaming and hollering and begging of God you want will not get you out of that place. No, the theme in hell is forever, forever. Lost, lost. Lost! Blind, blind, blind. The rich man in Luke 16 said, Oh, that I might dip a tip of my finger, your finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame, Jesus said. Jesus said. And the beggar, he's over in Lazarus' bosom. So making a lot of money won't get you any closer to God, will it? Well, I threaten you. It tells us to threaten people, warn people. Ezekiel 3 and 33. Except we warn them. Their blood will be upon our hands. We are commissioned to be warning people. Lest they come to that place of torment. Warn them. Tell them of damnation. Tell them of their eternity without God. Without hope. Without joy. Every day in hell is a bad night. For there is no day there. There's no light there. Jesus is the light of the world. There's no night in heaven. It's one eternal day. It's just daylight all the time. You say, well, well, don't you sleep in heaven? No, you don't need to sleep. Amen. We're going to be immortal. We're going to be in pleasures forevermore. But I believe in hell. You'll be tired all the time. For everything heaven is, hell is just the opposite. And joy is in knowing Jesus. Joy is in knowing your sins are forgiven. Joy and peace comes only from the Prince of Peace, the Lord of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, let me just mention in closing, by, with all that's in my being, I compel you to come in. I compel you to come to Christ. I plead with you to come to Christ. I beg you to come to Christ. But I'll threaten you as well. For you, if you don't receive his, the good side of the Lord, you'll have to find out about the bad side of him. The Bible says our God's a consuming fire. He's angry with the wicked every day. But then he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Our Father, bless the word. Thank you for salvation, full and free. Oh, thank you that one day someone compelled me to get saved. Thank you for Fanny Crosby. As she heard the preaching the second time she went, or maybe she'd gone other times, but the second time she went, dear Lord, and she heard the truth again, and oh, she responded. She understood and got saved. But dear Lord, it wouldn't have been terrible had she not gotten through the plague and come down with the cholera herself and die as so many others did. Dear Lord, have thine own way. 
in our lives. Direct us, Lord, for one that's here that needs to come in. We pray they would. We pray they wouldn't have a bunch of excuses as was said by the Lord Jesus. I've married a wife for this or this. I have a girlfriend. I have a boyfriend. Our father. Hell is not worth our whims and our wishes. Dear Lord, you'll give us all that plus heaven itself if we would just come and repent and believe the gospel and receive this free gift.